all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like gold flaked pretty much anything because it is Oscar time. We are here. We are talking about the Oscars this episode. As always, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. How you doing, David? I'm doing great. Fresh off of your recent one-week tour of beautiful Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. Everything go well? You know, we had a little bit of an incident. Little uh, My two-year-old, Cameron... Uh, Good friend of the podcast. Good friend of the podcast. <laughs> Big into uh, Spider-Man right now. Yeah. Uh, fell on some stairs and ended up needing seven stitches. Seven so we got a ride stitches. in the ambulance and all that. The good news is, is Disney takes pretty good, darn, pretty darn good care of you uh, when you get hurt in their parks. That so. is true. Top-notch uh, at pretty much everything there. You know, they, For sure. They, they swarm in. If there's anything issues like the security that you don't even know that's there, suddenly it's there. The medical professionals, they're there. They they move really quick. Well, that's good to hear. I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, you enjoyed it. I'm glad that uh, that uh, hopefully you're, you're refreshed because we got a month, less than a month, about a month to go until the 91st Annual Academy Awards on February 24th. And we're recording this podcast right after the Screen Actors Guild Awards, so that's new information as well. But the first thing that I wanted to talk about with this episode, David, is our reaction to the Oscar nominations. Uh, And boy, oh boy, was there a reaction to the Oscar nominations on film Twitter. Um, There's a lot of different opinions. But suffice it to say, the Oscar, I don't know, picture, I guess, came into full focus Leading the pack with 10 nominations are The Favorite and Roma. Really big showing by Netflix, uh, I thought was really interesting. I believe, David, I'm not sure, I don't think you know this, but I believe that Netflix hired uh, A24, A24's former marketing people. And if you all know about A24, you know that they were, Indie Studio came on real fast, came on real hot. Uh, got a lot of you know recognition. Got a lot of nominations this year. Not as much, but Netflix fourteen total nominations for Netflix, leading with Roma, and then just below that you had A Star Is Born and Vice, both with eight. Black Panther was seven. Black Klansman was six. Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book at five, and then pretty much everything else. All of those films were also nominated for Best Picture. So we got that in place. We got, again, best pick. So let's talk about this. Let's just start with the big category, David. Best picture. Let's line it up. Uh, Only went with eight nominations. Only eight nominations this year, which, again, it's my opportunity to bitch about the way that that voting works and that it should be ten nominations just straight up, straightforward. The whole between five and ten is really stupid to me, but it is what it is. We got Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice. So we were we were kind of out on uh, you know a couple. Uh, I think I neither of us had Green Book, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, or I'm sorry, neither of us had Bohemian Rhapsody. Neither of us had Bohemian Rhapsody. Neither of us had, or we both had If Beale Street Could Talk. That yep. didn't make it in. We both had First Man. That didn't make it in. Uh, Mary, You had Mary Poppins Returns. You had Quiet Place. Those didn't make it in. But you had pretty much all the other ones. I think the surprise here is is not necessarily that they did they did eight, although I think you easily could have found a ninth or and and a tenth in if Beale Street could talk and First Man. Absolutely, I think those could have easily been added. Obviously, I think um, Quiet Place, Crazy Rich Asians, those are some that could have deserved some love, but they're mm-hmm. not surprising that they're not on the list. First Man, if Beale Street could talk, seem to be more like the type of movies that generally get some love in Oscar nominations, and them not even being nominated was surprising. Both of you and I left Bohemian Rhapsody off more from just this normal expectations from a quality of a film and not that it was a bad film. Everybody who saw it loved it. Yeah. Um, It obviously won the Golden Globe, um, which we we posted on our Twitter about how um, (sighs) never has there been a Golden Globe drama winner that has not gotten not nominated. gotten nominated and I really except, thought that was I think it was like off. I think it was like 60 years ago was the last time it happened yeah so um that's not necessarily surprising um although I mean there's something there's a lot said. of controversy whether it actually deserves it is is that was one of the most talked about items was whether Bohemian Rhapsody really deserves definitely it. and that's and the thing is and especially with this you know when, when we take a look at these films we try to take a look at the films themselves the quality the reaction things like that so obviously Bohemian Rhapsody has this big dark cloud of Brian Singer hanging over it I don't know about you David but when it comes to the Oscars or or seeing a movie in general I don't really care about that kind of stuff like if this is a big film then I'm gonna go check it out I, I shouldn't say I don't care about it. I should walk that back a little bit. But it doesn't affect, in my opinion, the fact that hundreds of other people worked on this film to sure. put this film together. And th- and and it's gotten success because of it. Yeah, well, and I think behind this uh, camera positions are a lot easier to ignore, too. Sure. Um, if you go back and watch Kevin Spacey film, it's hard not to think about. Sure everything that's happened with Kevin Spacey. Uh, if you were to put him in a film, it's hard not, it's hard to ignore what you know about him now. Um, whereas with a director, someone like Brian Singer, like you're not constantly reminded, this is a Brian Singer film. This is a Brian Singer film. Right. Like you have to consciously tell yourself that when you're watching the movie for it to actually upset you or, or cause you to have some kind of different belief. And like you said, it's not really fair that like, one person taints an entire movie. Sure. It's not any of the people who took that position's uh, fault that Brian Singer did that. I mean, everybody's trying to make a living and you're telling someone, especially when you get into like the lower aspects, like I understand lead actors and that they have plenty of money already. Right. But like you're trying to tell like people in the production side, people in the effects side, all that kind of stuff. Set builders. That don't make the money that the stars do. You're telling them to not do a movie just because of Brian Singer. And maybe, you know, and a lot of people, there's so many rumors going out about people and things like that. And obviously everything, I'm not defending Brian Singer at all. No, of course not. But Cause, it's because one could make the argument that it's like, Oh, you knew like when you're talking about somebody like Rami Malek or even the producers like, oh, you knew of these allegations and you hired him anyways. Like that's certainly a conversation topic, but I tend to fall on more where you're at, which is 
this is a passionate project for everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and he was removed too. I mean, it's not like they right. let him follow through the entire film. I mean, he was removed at one point he of was, it. He was removed at the near the tail end, but nonetheless, sure. he didn't do the editing, he didn't do the post production. He he was out. Yeah. So he was out. again, and I'm not defending Bohemian Rhapsody's nomination, sure. um, but I also don't think that Brian Singer should disqualify this film altogether. If it deserves to be in there, it should be in there, not um, just because Brian Singer, you know, and all the controversy with him. Sure, definitely. And there's, and I've seen, that's actually the only one I haven't seen as of this recording is Bohemian Rhapsody. I've seen mm-hmm. all of them other than that. Um, but beyond that, I mean, again, everything that is on this list is a good film. Like I can't say that none of these are good films. I can go back to my old credo of, yeah, there's not enough diversity. You know, we get black Panther. Awesome. Everything else though is feels like it's just more of the same. It feels like it's another version of a drama. Black Klansman is a cop movie about racial politics. It's a drama. Bohemian Rhapsody is a musical biopic drama. The favorite is a drama D. Green Book is a drama D. Roma drama. Starsborn drama. Vice drama satire comedy ish. You know, there's no heavy. Where's your horror? Where's your comedy? Where's your animation? Where's your action? Black Panther. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So it is what it is. Uh, director. Director. We both had, I believe, the same lineups almost. Uh, Bradley Cooper. I had Bradley Cooper. He's was the one big snub. He got Ben Affleck, basically. Pretty much. Alfonso, Spike Lee, Yorgos. And uh, Peter Farrelly was another one that I missed out on. I actually skipped out or I swapped out Farrelly for Adam McKay. Adam McKay got in. I got to give you respect for burning that torch bright for Ryan Coogler. But apparently only Best Picture is going to have to suffice. No over-the-line nominations. Biggest surprise there is uh, Cold War's Powell Powellowski, which... Haven't seen. Uh, probably. Weird. I don't think we even talked about it this entire time. No, I mean we didn't. It's pol- It's Polish. It's the Polish black and white film. Man, the Academy really likes to cream their jeans over black and white films. Sometimes it's just it's like the artist. We have two black Roma. and <laughs> we have two black and white films. We do. Again, a, a, a fine list. I'm sure. You know, there, there's, again, there's the argument that can be made for more women directors. There's the argument that can be made for more uh, African-American directors. Although, shout out to Spike Lee for finally getting a Best Director nomination all this time. Uh, you know what a really good way is to open up the diversity of these categories? Nominate diverse genres. You know what? To me, from these nominations with Bradley Cooper being gone... I think it's pretty much a two-horse race at this point. Who do you got? I think, I think it's th- down to Spike Lee and Alfonso. I would agree. I could easily see them giving it to Spike because it's he's basically due. basically a career achievement. For sure. And Alfonso's already won. Yep. So it seems like removing Bradley Cooper from this list, too, kind of makes it easier to go Spike Lee. It's true. Which is funny that we're talking about someone who is left off the list, making it easier for someone to win. Like right. you'd think the four other names on this list would make it difficult. But right. I think Bradley Cooper coming off of the list actually makes this more evident of which direction that they're going to go. Because Bradley Cooper could have made it a three horse race. For sure. 
But Powell, Yorgos, Adam McKay, I mean, they're trailing pretty far behind everyone else. I I mean, I would think so. But then again, I didn't even <laughs> know about the movie Cold War before this as far as on my radar for director. That's true. That's true. I just, again, and I'll go back to this and this is the last time I'll say it. The biggest thing that people were talking about is that yeah, Spike Lee got his nomination, but where are the nominations for African-Americans? Where are the nominations for women? And you look at films like rom-coms, you look at films like horror and comedy and action, and guess what those films have? Diversity. You look at horror, horror is one of the biggest genres for minorities and for women. Horror films have women leads all the time. That being said, if we are talking about diversity in a category, this category is pretty diverse. It's not bad. We got Spike. We got we got we got Spike. We got a Polish guy. We got Yorgos, who's Greek, I believe. You got Alfonso, who's Mexican, and then you got McKay. Yeah. So in so, terms of like racial, you know, diversity, that's pretty much everywhere. Sure. Um, so and and so I mean, it, it is what it is in that sense, and I think, um, again, my thing is always when you get limited to five people someone's always going to be left off right and i think filling some of those spots just to check a box of saying this category is diverse is not what you want to do and i don't think most people in those uh lesser represented uh, groups groups sure would say I want to be rewarded for my merit, not just so I can feel that. Kind of like the NFL has the Rooney rule where you have to right. interview an African American. Right. Um, for the they don't want to just you know some some are good with that, but again I think you want to be rewarded on merit more than anything, and that's where the struggle is when there's those that really deserve it that are missing out, and you're not filling them in like a Coogler with Black Panther, right? Um, and like some of the other ones that we have, or even you know, women being represented more, you know, things like that in the director category. Mm -hmm. um, that's obviously been one that's always been very lacking in representation. And I think this year, especially you had some good opportunities in there as well. Sure. Definitely. So let's move on. Uh, we have best, uh, best actor, best actor. We, I mean, is pretty much what we expected with one exception. We got Christian Bale, we got Bradley Cooper, we got Rami Malek, we got Viggo Mortensen, and then Willem Dafoe snuck his happy ass in there, knocked out who we assumed was going to be Ethan Hawke, which the mm -hmm. internet lost their minds over, Yep. Uh, playing, um, uh, freaking playing Vince Van Gogh. So good for Willem Dafoe, I suppose. Um, Rami just won the SAG Award for Best Leading Actor, which I think pr puts him pretty firmly in first place in this, which your mileage may vary, you know, on the difference between an actual performance and embodying the role of a human being that has existed before, such as what Christian Bale did with Vice, or just doing a really good impression. Who's to say? It's not going to be me. Listen... <laughs> People love their. It's it's pretty good track record of uh, doing a musical representation of <laughs> a biopic. Yeah. So uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if Rami wins and runs away with it based off of people's projections. No, it's going to be an interesting month of campaigning. Um, as far as best actress, you got you you got Yalitza Aprisio for Roma. You got Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Lady Gaga. 
and Melissa McCarthy. Again, we got pretty much all of these correct, except I went with Tony Collette. You went with Emily Blunt, and it was Yalitza the whole time. Roma picking up a couple of surprise actress nominations there, mm-hmm. um, which is super interesting. But Glenn Close won the SAG Award. I think Glenn Close is probably the front runner, And this brings up a whole other interesting conversation about makeup awards and how this just happens repeatedly with the Oscars where Glenn Close is going to probably going to win an Oscar for The Wife, which is a movie nobody has seen, which is probably an excellent performance, but she should have won a decade ago. Like she should have won 12 years ago. She should have won for some of the other nominations that she's gotten, but instead because it's her time because she's quote unquote due somebody else who's probably more deserving this year like a Lady Gaga, like an Olivia Coleman, probably not going to make it. You know, I, this one I still think is open. I know Glenn Close won it, and I know she's due, but it wouldn't okay. be surprising to me if Olivia Coleman or Lady Gaga take this one. Okay, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly. I, I, I definitely don't think Yulitsa or Melissa McCarthy are in the conversation. I do think it's down to those three. Sure, um, definitely with the SAG Award, Glenn Close is is leading the way. Yeah, um, but I don't think it's one of those, you know write it down in ink, this one's over type of thing. Sure. It's definitely... Because uh, most of the year, you would have said, this is Lady Gaga. Right. And then you would have and said, And then awards Coleman. started. And you'd say it was Coleman. And now, now SAG's happened, and it's Glenn Close. Now it's Glenn so. Close. Uh, sporting actor. We... God, we're all over the place on this one. I had Adam Driver, Richard E. Grant, Mahershala, uh, Mahershala Ali, and Sam Elliott. I had Rockwell out and Chalamet in. Obviously, that was the incorrect <laughs> stance to take. You had Driver, Grant, Elliot, Ali, and again, you burned that torch for Michael B. Jordan, still hoping that we would get it. Uh, but it turned out to be Sam Rockwell again. Which is interesting because I don't think it was bad, nah. but it, it was almost like a, and, and maybe it's not a cartoony, but it, it felt a little heavy handed, maybe, or a little bit. It didn't feel necessarily, and again, it's hard because we see our representation of of Bush was what we saw on TV. Sure. Um, we never saw this version that right. Sam Rockwell was portraying. And right. so it's hard to think, was this an accurate portrayal of him? Right. Or was this kind of the whole tone of the movie, which was... A little bit pushing the edge, pushing of the probably maybe going a little satire. He just didn't connect. He didn't have an impact as much as you might have thought he would have in the. Film. I actually thought, you know, even like a Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld was the more memorable of the supporting roles sure. in Vice of the ones that are in there. Um, so that one was definitely surprising to me. Everything else, I think. I mean, I think it's Mahershala's to lose. Like that guy has won every nomination he's picked up. Shout out to Sam Elliott. I would love to see Sam Elliott get it after all this time, but Mahershala is going to pick up his second award. That is as much of a lock as I can give you. It's it's definitely, of the acting ones, I think it's definitely the the easiest one mm-hmm. to quote-unquote call. Um, that being said, you never know. Nothing's I mean, written in stone. No. I, I would put it... You know, Richard E. Grant was getting so much momentum early on. It's true. Um, you never know if he'll come back into the conversation. And, you know, it's hard for a movie to strike out in all three acting categories that it's been nominated for in A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, 
and people love them some Sam Elliott. It's another one of those where does he get rewarded for a career versus right. you know the specific role? Mahershala's which I got one already. Yeah, and they don't uh, usually like doing. Would this be back to back, or was there a year in between? It would be a year in between, right? Uh, yes, year in between. Because Moonlight was two yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's right. right. So we'll see. I, I'm honestly, this is one of those categories where I'm fine with anybody winning. And there's all the conversation around the drama around Green Book. Does that have any role in any boy, of this? Oh boy, yeah, that's true. Um, all right, supporting actress. We both had the same nominations. Claire Foy didn't make it. Marina del Tavira got in for Roma. First time, I know, you cannot see David's reaction, but it's wide-eyed, shaking his head. I believe this is the first time that someone has been nominated for an acting Oscar where they had zero nominations in by, from any critics, from any award shows, from anything. She came in and took this nomination in a way that's never happened before. Literally the most out-of-left-field nomination. That being said, she's great in the film. And I have to chalk this up as Netflix having A24's marketing team, you know? How does Netflix go from being, being you know, the, the odd man out, you know, for the last couple of years and then suddenly 10 nominations, Yeah. Right? Well, and here's the thing, too, is um, Golden Globes and some of the other awards – you and some of the bigger categories and, and obviously supporting actresses is a big category, but like best picture in that you kind of notice the marketing pickup for yeah. certain films. Sure. Um, things like the supporting roles and things like that more happen like in ways that us common folk do not see um, <laughs> because no one, you know, you and I stay up on most film sites and, um, what's yeah. being talked about on social media and all right. that kind of stuff. No one was talking about her. Zero. And so Radio silence. Obviously, this is this was one of the more surprising. I think this and Bradley Cooper being left off a director. A couple of the more and, surprising uh, ones. What's his name from uh, the Polish director? Oh, Powell. Well, he was picking up momentum. I'll give him that. Those two were the surprises to me of this list. Sure. I mean, you could... You could come up with some other ones, but those were definitely the biggest surprises. Maybe, maybe as well, um, even let's, Hawk as well. Yeah, let's talk about some of the other surprises. We won't go through all of the other nominations here, but uh, a couple surprises for me is that Buster Scruggs wound up getting three nominations: mm -hmm. best song, uh, best what did it have? Costuming, yeah, costuming, and best uh, adapted screenplay, which I am going to call into question. I don't know what the rules are for adapted screenplay, but Joel and Ethan Cohen wrote these as short stories and then they turned them into ballad. Like they adapted them from their own short stories. And maybe, you know, did, did they adapt it from Jack London? Did they adapt it from Stuart Edward White? Perhaps. And if so, then fine, sure. Um, but that is a real interesting nomination for me, subbing out. Something like Black Panther for the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. One of the other big ones is Won't You Be My Neighbor getting left off, or Won't You Be My Neighbor getting left off of Best Documentary. That was surprising. That was just like, what? How? You know, that was uh, not that I'm the biggest guy on documentaries or whatever, but people have talked about that all year long. Yeah, it was the documentary, it was yeah. the top one. How do you how do you not nominate 
one of the most successful documentaries of the year. I it's don't al- know. It's also interesting to see if Beale Street could talk getting love and adapted screenplay, which is a, usually a pretty strong indicator of the Best Picture nominations. Sure. Usually a high percentage of the adapted and original screenplay, and we'll have all those stats leading up yeah. um, to our winners. We've got all those that we're working on. Um, but it's interesting to see it there and it not get really much love anywhere else. Exactly. Um, I think the other thing um, that was interesting for me was, um, which one was it that we were talking about on the the songs? Yes. Um, it just kind of shouted to me of our lack of really good songs this year. And I think that also, with that being said, makes it even more of a lock, in my opinion, of what's going to win. Shallow. Shallow. Absolutely. It's, it's basically shallow, all the stars, and then everything else. I mean, there's even this whole talk of them only performing those two songs and the other three songs not even being performed on the telecast. Where do you fall? And we'll talk about a couple things before we uh, get to our hindsight awards. But where do you fall on the length of the telecast? Because there's a lot of people on hashtag film Twitter who are you know, talking about, yeah, it's good that it's shorter, but there are other people who are talking about how the, they're planning on not doing the nomination process and the whole presentation process for some of the, you know, technical awards and just handing them out like, Oh look, cinematography went to this and then, you know, cutting songs and stuff. So where do you fall on like the length of the Oscars? Because to me, I have always liked the fact that they're like three and a half hours. We're celebrating movies. We're doing it all. I'm fine with it. My thing is, is it happens once a year. Sure. If you just want to know the winners, just watch Twitter. Yeah. Don't watch the show. Right. Like, it's meant to be a production. Do we care about ratings? Does the Academy really care about ratings? Like, like if you want to chop things out, get the stupid Academy person that goes up there and talks. Take them out nonsense. of there. Get like, the accountants out of there. Nominate more popular films if you want people to watch your damn television show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, to me, it's taking more and more films away or more and more categories off of the broadcast is just disrespectful to the people involved in it. Sure. Um, and if we're really celebrating film, then we should celebrate it. Um, I, you and I have already talked about how we feel like they don't even have enough categories as it is. There should sure. be something awarded towards like stunts uh, and work that's done on that end that make movies what they are. Um, and they're not represented in these categories. But taking a lot of these off, if, if you're going to take anything off, I think you take away... And again, this is just my opinion, but like things like documentary shorts and live action shorts and take things nothing. like that. Like take nothing. And again, I wouldn't want to take any of those out. But to me, that's just because those are things that not most people have ever seen. Sure. And again, you get you get the knowledge out there and people may go and see them that wouldn't have prior. Right. But like taking out things like sound editing and sound mixing and production design. These are all your biggest movies still being nominated. And yes, most people don't know what really goes in to making really good sound editing, but I think you know it when you hear it. Sure. Um, and sure. so I think it's good to, to give those people recognition on national television too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I fall on the side of just just do it all. Celebrate it all, you know. Carve out a four-hour time slot. Celebrate film. You know, how how novel of an idea is it, it that the, the Academy 
designated to celebrate film actually just spends the time celebrating film and stops worrying about who, you know, who has watched the documentary short subjects. Like, just put them on there. Give If that's the award, put them on there. That's the thing. All right, you had you said uh, Mahershala is would that be if you could give one lock for the Oscars right now without any additional research or thoughts just from what's come out? Would that be your your lock if you could pick one one of the categories? All categories, Mm, even the small ones. Maybe, but maybe not. I would say, can I pick three categories? Of course, you want to pick three. (laughs) I would say. I would say Vice is a very close lock in makeup and hairstyling. I would say, as we talked about previously, Shallow is a very, very close lock for original song. And I would. I would say uh, Mahershala is probably a pretty close lock for supporting actor. The other predictions and things like that, we're going to roll those out at a later time. Uh, I'm going to say this, though. We talked about campaigning. We've talked about this. And when we get into our hindsight awards, we're going to a lot of the hindsight awards are going to be about campaigning, particularly 20 years ago. Don't sleep on Disney putting all of its campaign money behind that best picture for Black Panther. It just won the SAG Award for Best Ensemble. Don't sleep on that shit. All right. I'm, I'm putting that out there as like a bold take. Don't here's, sleep on it. Here's my lock okay. of, of ones that you didn't say. I was going to say Vice for for makeup. Okay. Um, and, or Shallow, as I already mentioned. Okay. But if I give you one that you didn't say, I'm going Spider-Man for animated. Ooh, see, the reason I didn't go with that is because the animation department, you know, it's a, it's the fact that it got nominated. I think you're right. I think ultimately that you're right. But remember, this is the same Academy that didn't nominate the Lego movie. I understand. You can't trust them to do anything. You, you can always think that maybe like Mirai might come in, you know, which is the first uh, film nominated out of Japan that didn't come here. from uh, that didn't come from Studio Ghibli. Like there's there's interesting stuff. But Spider-Man's dope as hell. I'm. I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, before we get into our, our hindsight awards, though, we're going to take a little ad break. All right, good movie buddies. Before we get back to things, I want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of this podcast delivered to you for free just by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to it. Just take a minute. Take a minute unless you're on the freeway. Hit that subscribe button. Share us with your friends. Share us with your family. Give us a rating. Give us a review for The Popcorn Diet. Also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and maybe consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Because not only is it going to help us improve the podcast in all ways, shapes, and forms, but it's going to get you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills and more cool stuff so remember patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and of course we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on facebook on twitter on instagram at the popcorn diet and last but certainly not least you can find all of our latest regular episodes all of our articles all of our reviews oscar predictions and the upcoming second annual hindsight awards on our podcast popcorn diet podcast.com but now david we get to talk about so we're doing this for the second year. You believe that? Two years now. I felt like we've done this. We, For some reason, it feels like we've done this more than once. But this is only our second time doing it. And it is our second annual Hindsight Awards. Popcorn Diet's second annual Hindsight Awards. And the main goal of the Hindsight Awards is to potentially correct 
any narrow-minded selections that the Oscars, you know, typically present as awards contenders. We want to break the definition of what makes an Oscar film. That's my on <laughs> my ongoing crusade is to try and get more genres recognized by the Academy. Um, but the biggest thing that we do is we take a look back five, 10, and 20 years at what was nominated and what we are renominating for the six above the line categories for the Oscars. We're talking best picture, best director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. And we are going to start, and at, you know, before we even start listing them off, I want to remind everybody that you can actually go to our website, popcorndietpodcast.com, this week and vote on all three of the parts of the Hindsight Award. You can vote for 1998. The awards were for the film year of 1998. The Oscars were in 1999, but we're looking back at the film year of 1998. 2008 and 2013. Now, David, you and I have had rigorous discussions about these nominees. I know that you are uh, going to absolve yourself of some of my decisions on here, and that's fine. I feel like we had a good dialogue back and forth about them. Would you would would you agree or would you not agree on that? Well, I feel <laughs> like you have some motivations be, behind some of these these just so everybody knows this happens to fall on two two of Rick's most hated years for the Oscars. It's true. Um, I wouldn't say I would say they were probably regarded by a lot of people as controversial years, but for Rick, they were particularly emotional years. They were and so um, there it was hard for me to fight some of Rick's uh, <laughs> anger out of these nominations. So. Um, full disclosure there, I did my best to uh, to rational uh, to reason with him, but you will uh, you will find that there are certain movies that he has a vendetta against sometimes as we go through this. Sometimes there's just no reasoning with me, David. Now, I'd like to think that I've become a better man since these years. Uh, you know, I'm trying not to get mad at the Oscars anymore. I'm trying to remind people that... You know, the Oscars don't really matter all that much. You know, it's it's an award show for a subjective art medium, right? The whole point of this podcast is that whatever your favorite movie is, is you're not wrong, you know? And so the fact that the Academy Awards exist to actually say, no, this is the legitimately best picture, spits in the face of what art and filmmaking actually stands for. That being said, you're right. Two of these years are some of the most egregious in my ever. Well, and I think it's important before we get into these two to also educate everybody that we are not necessarily saying that some of these movies that we remove out of the category were not well-made movies sure. because that's not necessarily what we're saying. Uh, what we're doing is now that we've had 20, 10, five years to look back on these films and their impact in the movie industry, in pop culture, all of that kind of stuff, we're rewarding more the influential movies right. in addition to being well-made movies right. and not necessarily those films that... And again, this usually hurts the quote-unquote Oscar bait type of films that were made... Solely you know, in a lot of ways, solely to just win an Oscar. Absolutely. Um, not that they weren't telling real and sometimes important stories, but if you ask someone now about that film, 
most people, one, probably haven't seen it, and right. two, it's not talked about by many people even in the film industry. It's true. So uh, that's why some of these you may go back, you may hear, and you may say, what? How is it? How do you? How are you going to remove that? Or how are you going to put in that comedy over that? You know, dramatic film or sure. that kind of thing. And that comes back to some of the things that we always talk about when we talk about Oscar nominations, about how there's underrepresented categories, how there's underrepresented uh, genres, genres um, within there. And so we try to correct those a little bit. Again, this is our view of the hindsight awards this may not be all of yours certainly not um, we are going to ask for everybody's insight and thoughts based off of what we pick uh, we haven't decided whether we'll allow a write-in opportunity but we probably won't so you're going to have to stick with what we did so deal with it <laughs> and when we approach these awards when we approach the hindsight awards we basically look for a couple of a couple of key things. Number one, we do look for that diversity in genre. We want to nominate action films and horror films and comedies and animated films and things like that. We want to bring those different genres to the table. But we also want to look at the smaller films. We want to look at the dramas and the period pieces and things like that. We don't want to shy them away, but we want to you know, increase the diversity of the genres. The other thing that we ask is... Are we still talking about it? Is this still relevant in history? Is it still being discussed? Is it still even being thought of? Is it in the lexicon somehow? Another thing that we look at is if it impacted or influenced film in some indirect way, whether it be a style or by introducing a, a star or a performance or something like that. And then lastly, we look at things such as where did that fall in a certain nominee's life? Did they do better or worse things? Is this a fluke? Does the rest of their filmography look like garbage and this was their peak? If so, then maybe they didn't deserve the award to begin with, you know? Did they go on to do better things and this nomination was too early or too late? Who knows? Um, but as David said, I mean, it's our podcast, so we get to make the decisions. So with that being said, we will start with uh, Best Supporting Actress, for 1998. Now, that was the year that Gwyneth Paltrow... I'm sorry. That was the year that... Um, oh, God. Who was it even? Judy Dench. Boy, Judy Dench won for Shakespeare in Love for her eight minutes on screen. One of the shortest screen times for any Oscar winner. Also nominated were Kathy Bates for Primary Colors. Brenda Blethyn for Little Voice. Rachel Griffiths for Hillary and Jackie. Lynn Redgrave for Gods of Monsters. David... Any of those movies register for you, like at all? Uh, obviously, Shakespeare in Love. Sure. I still remember being the best picture in that. Um, I barely remember Gods and Monsters. Okay. Um, Kathy Bates, Primary Colors. I remember Primary Colors. Okay. Um, because it was, you know, I think a pretty talked about movie at the time, given that it was kind of taking a... Uh, kind of a satire look at a our, was it our current president it was at the time? former president i don't think he was in office anymore that was uh w years at that point that's true um no no or no, was he still w in? started in 2000 so it was okay, still so clinton, years. He, clinton was still in so it was it was interesting to see a film made about a a sitting president as well um don't remember much about little voice don't remember anything about hillary and jackie yeah um but the other three, I, I have some recollection of, at least. One of the biggest things that I realized when kind of compiling these lists is that, damn, women don't have a lot to work with in Hollywood. Some of, this, some of these years, man, it is just a 
desolate landscape of nominations. Um, now, we're not going to go through all of the different, you know, possible nominees. This will be a five-hour-long podcast. But we're going to go with who we decided to be our 1998 Hindsight Supporting Actress nominees. And, David, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm putting Judy Dench back in. As much as I don't like the fact that she won for eight minutes, that is part of something that is important in the history. It mm -hmm. was the shortest performance for a winner. Judy Dench is an amazing actress who um, I believe this is her only Oscar. I could be wrong, but I believe this is her only one. So we're keeping her in. We're also going to keep in Kathy Bates for Primary Colors, who certainly has been recognized before. But in my opinion, not as much. Mm -hmm. um, and plus, she was like one of the best parts of that film. Uh, we're bringing in some, we're bringing in three new nominees here. We're talking about Julianne Moore in The Big Lebowski. I go, I'm very strong Lebowski this year, and I think of all of the movies that we look at over the course of these three different time periods, Lebowski is one of the strongest ones that's still around. Like, people are still doing it. They're doing screenings. Jeff Bridges is coming back in a Super Bowl ad. And Julianne Moore was a big part of that playing Maude. Uh, so we're keeping her in there. I'm also bringing in Laura Linney from The Truman Show, who had a really unique role. I believe Laura Linney got another nomination later on in her career. But she had this super unique role of playing Truman's wife, also an actress, you know, faking it and whatnot. Uh, really, really good film. I'm very bullish on The Truman Show. And then the last one I'm bringing in is Catherine Zeta-Jones for Mask of Zorro. She's getting her this spot here because that was a star-making breakout role. You know, she went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Antonio Banderas in sex appeal, in wit, in action. You know, a big part of the trailer was, was she, you know, she was a big part of the trailer, a big selling point, and it obviously launched her career. Uh, so that's who I'm going with, or that's who we are. I should say we, although, you know, you absolve me of some of my sins here. You know, the only one I think that was a reach for me in this one um, was probably the Catherine Zeta-Jones sure. uh, nomination. That being said, as you mentioned, as we go back 20 years, the roles are rough. I mean, the the movies that you look maybe for, for other nominations other than the two that we mentioned or the three that we mentioned that we removed um, – you good. have like Lamez had a version back then. Dramatic <laughs> version, no musical. Um, you had, um, you know, like he got game for uh, Mila Jovovich. Jovovich. Yeah. Rounders, I guess a couple of them. Beloved. Yeah, it was it was brutal. Wild I mean, even, even even when you look at the like big name actresses, like you had Sharon Stone in The Mighty. Does anybody talk about that in Sharon no. Stone? You had Reese Witherspoon in Twilight, not that Twilight. Who we talking? Um, <laughs> you had, you know, Bridget Fonda in A Simple Plan. It was a rough year for really great female roles. So I mean, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I I, I can see all of those. We can get behind that. Yep. Supporting actor that year, the award went to James Coburn for Affliction. Fellow nominees were Robert Duvall for Civil Action, Ed Harris for A Truman Show, Jeffrey Rush in Shakespeare in Love, and Billy Bob Thornton in A Simple Plan. This one had a stronger showing in terms of who could have been nominated, like the entire supporting cast of Saving Private Ryan. You know, everybody in that film is great. Everybody in that film is memorable, whether it be Tom Sizemore or Barry Pepper or... Jeremy Davies or hell Vin Diesel, you know, why not? Uh, you had uh, some of the films that you had mentioned, you know, we mentioned Rounders, we mentioned The Big Lebowski, 
Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Hell, Armageddon. I'm willing to throw in some. Sibusemi and Armageddon's fantastic, right? But he didn't make the cut. What we're doing is we're keeping two of the nominees again. We're keeping Ed Harris in The Truman Show. Ed Harris, fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, never really, never rewarded, never won, but phenomenal actor. We're keeping him in uh, for The Truman Show. And we're keeping in Billy Bob Thornton for A Simple Plan, which is one of the better films in Sam Raimi's filmography, a really tight little thriller there. And we're replacing the other three. We're taking Coburn out, Affliction. What? Who? What? What? What's Affliction? Nobody's talking about it anymore. Nobody's referencing it anymore. James Coburn is better in a lot of other roles. We're bringing in John Goodman for the Big Lebowski. Never nominated, David. Never nominated. And his and Walter is one of the most iconic characters from that film. We're bringing in Bill Murray for Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Again, any opportunity that we get to give love to Bill Murray, we're going to give it. And then. There's a little bit of personal bias on this one. We're bringing in John Malkovich for Rounders, playing Teddy KGB. I'm willing to admit it's maybe not the best performance, but it's definitely stood the test of time. How many times we hear people talking about pay him, pay that man <laughs> his money? How many times? It's a lot, and and probably more so in our circles because we watch it a lot and sure. we play poker and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any Teddy KGB and, um, <laughs> and John Malkovich are definitely probably the biggest reach in here. I do think saving private Ryan hurts from having so many. Sure. It's hard for ones, certain ones to really stand out. Sure. Um, I also think, um, you could talk about Edward Norton in rounders. Um, that's a good point. You could go that way. I also think, and this is a, a movie that not a lot of people saw, but I feel is a very underrated movie. And people that saw it would would speak highly of it is uh, Donald Southern and Without Limits playing Bill Bowerman. And obviously I was a runner, so I know the background of this story more. But he does a fantastic job in that film um, being playing Bill Bowerman in that uh, Prefontaine movie. Prefontaine. That's right. Um, Yeah. So that's our lineup for supporting actor. Actress is when Gwyneth Paltrow won for Shakespeare in Love. Kate Blanchett was nominated for Elizabeth. Fernanda Montenegro for Central Station, Meryl Streep for One True Thing, Emily Watson for Hillary and Jackie. Literally, Central Station, One True Thing, Hillary and Jackie register a 0.0 on the Richter scale for me. So, and again, this one was a little tough as well, a little bit short-sighted, not a lot of not a lot of nomination material out there. But we're keeping in Gwyneth Paltrow, we're keeping in Kate Blanchett, and we're bringing in two actresses who we're at different points in their career this year. We're bringing in Meg Ryan for You've Got Mail. She was never really celebrated or respected as like the number one rom-com actress out there. Sleepless in Seattle, When Harry Met Sally, this, Joe versus the Volcano, like literally all-time rom-coms, never any love for Meg Ryan, so we're bringing her in for You've Got Mail. We're also bringing in Cameron Diaz for There's Something About Mary, just getting started in her career. You know, launched launched her career into superstardom after obviously she started in the mask, but this really just launched her into the into the stratosphere. And then last but certainly not least, a little bit more of a controversial one, but Jennifer Lopez in Out of Sight, one of Soderbergh's first movies, not his first, but one of his first, um, a great little caper film, a great little like noir crime film, and Lopez is phenomenal in it i Mm -hmm. dare i say aside from selena this is our best role 
You know, so I want to recognize her for that. Uh, so that's who we got for the actress nominees there. I don't have a lot of issues in this one. It's just a rough category in general. I mean, <laughs> if you go through, I mean, obviously we have the three that we removed out. You know, we are we are some that don't feel like Meryl Streep should just get act. A nomination every time she acts in something. Yeah, she's obviously a phenomenal actor, but it feels like sometimes it's just a easy thing to do is just give her the nomination. Um, not and I'm challenging again, Streep. I'm so, challenging her. Yeah, I want to reward her really good roles versus just every role. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of issues, but again, this just speaks to the scraping the bottom of the barrel for lead actress roles and even the supporting actress roles like we talked about before. Yeah. Um, thankfully, nowadays, it's it's a whole lot better. Um, but 20 years ago, it was rough. It was rough. Uh, best Actor nominees. This uh, boy, David, we're going to start getting into the Roberto Benigni love affair that, that everybody had in 1998 because he won Best Actor for Life is Beautiful he beat out Tom Hanks for Saving Private Ryan, Ian McKellen for Gods and Monsters, Nick Nolte for Affliction, and Edward Norton for American History X. And I'm just going to put this out here. One of the biggest corrected corrections that I made to this year is Life is Beautiful, in hindsight, is one of those fluke things that Benini never did shit before or after. He made Pinocchio, which was a dumpster fire, which was literally critically maligned. So he's out. Taking Benini out of here, all right. He's like that 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 foreign girlfriend apparently that you just had that burning burning love for, and then you kind of realize she's uh, she's a little much. That was Benini with him running on the chairs and shit like that. We're taking him out. We're taking Nolte out as well for Affliction. Everyone else is staying. Edward Norton, American History X, phenomenal film. Uh, phenomenal performance, really transformative. Ian McKellen for Gods and Monsters playing the uh, homosexual director of The Bride of Frankenstein. And and that movie is about 20 years ahead of its time now. You can release that movie now. It cleaned up. Cleaned up easily. And then, of course, Tom Hanks for Saving Private Ryan. You know, we saw Tom Hanks do a lot of things, but we never saw him play a soldier before. And so we see him play an astronaut. We see him play a AIDS, you know, an AIDS victim. You see him play all of these different rom-com leads, big uh, Forrest Gump. But putting him as kind of a salty, you know, hard nose captain in World War II is a little bit unique for him. So we're keeping him in. We're putting in two comedic performances. Jeff Bridges for The Big Lebowski and Jim Carrey for The Truman Show. Two performances that I think hold up. I mean, Jeff Bridges has basically made his entire career out of The Big Lebowski. He's pretty much the dude just in general now. And Jim Carrey was at a really unique spot for The Truman Show. It was right in between him being a full-blown crazy comedian and him trying way too hard to win an Oscar. Truman Show is a perfect marriage of both his comedic talent and his dramatic talent, so he's going on the list. Yeah, I, I think overall this list works really well. We agreed pretty pretty much on, on most of these. Um, again, i got to give her love just because I love the movie. Billy Crudup was fantastic. <laughs> He's on the list. Um, other ones in there, I think, you know, I think most of these would would fit into the category of where they're. Johnny Depp was obviously great in Fear and Loathing um, that year. George Clooney in Out of Sight. We already talked about Jennifer Lopez. Sure. 
Um, but overall, I think we, you know, most of the, the top ones, I think were recognized. Brad Pitt was pretty good in meet Joe black that year. Um, those, there was a lot of really strong acting performances. I felt like at least in the lead role, uh, in this year. Yeah, there was definitely best director. Steven Spielberg won for saving private Ryan. His other nominees were John Madden for Shakespeare in love, Terrence Malick for the thin red line, Peter Weir for the Truman show and Roberto Benigni for Life is Beautiful. Um, this one, I'm I'm wiping everybody out of here, except for Spielberg. You look at some of the directors, like Weir or Malick, they've done better work before or after. Despite the fact that The Thin Red Line is Malick's easily, easily his most accessible film, excuse me. And then everyone else, John Madden hasn't done anything before or after Shakespeare in Love. He did two best exotic Marigold Hotel movies. Come on. And then Benini previously stated, Life is Beautiful was a blip on the radar. It proved to be a total fluke. So we're getting crazy with this category, David. This is the one where you have, I'm willing to admit, the most, uh, what, issues, one might say? Protests? Definitely issues. I guess. We're keeping Spielberg on there. But boy, oh boy, is everybody else all over the place. We're giving Spike Lee finally his first nomination nine years after Do the Right Thing and 20 years before his first actual nomination for Black Klansman, nominating Spike Lee for He Got Game. We're also nominating the Farrelly brothers for There's Something About Mary. Again, an all-time comedy all-timer, you know, that launched the careers of Ben Stiller, it, I mean, Ben Stiller obviously was around, and, and Cameron Diaz obviously was around, but they became A-listers after There's Something About Mary. Kind of the same thing with Meg Ryan. I'm giving Nora Ephron a nod for You've Got Mail. Nora Ephron got nominated a couple times for screenplays, never for director, never for being one of, if not the best romantic comedy director of her time. So she's in. And then David, last but certainly not least... I'm nominating Michael Bay for Armageddon, and I'm going to tell you why, okay? Armageddon is not what one might say an amazing film, and yet at the same time, many people might call it an amazing film. The guy's the master of Bayhem, right? He crafted Armageddon as an action sci-fi that raised the bar for blockbuster spectacle for the next 20 years. Armageddon is a dumb movie, all right, there is fire in space. It's not how that shit works, right? There are some character inconsistencies. It's it's super choppy editing. And yet that editing informed action movies for the next 20 years. It's still emotional. I'll still cry at the end. It works, man. Not to mention the fact that then Michael Bay went to direct all the Transformers movies and then I'm not I can't defend those. But I'm sticking here with Armageddon. I think this is Armageddon is like peak Bananas Michael Bay. So he's on the list, and I know you don't like that. I tried, people. I really did. <laughs> I tried to talk some sense into him. Um, we're just logging this one as in protest. Um, that being said, you know, if I had to pick people that I would put ahead of Michael Bay and potentially even Nora Ephron, but I, I, I like having the diversity in there with getting Nora Ephron some, some love. She deserves it, damn it. But... Uh, and I've got no problem with Spike Lee getting recognized, but I think the Coen brothers for Lebowski, and I recognize they've got lots of great films coming. Um, but, you know, as you talked about, this really put a lot of people um, 
you know, it defined who Jeff Bridges basically is to a lot of people. Um, I also think Terrence Malick, like you said, he does a whole lot more after this, but nothing probably that people uh, (laughs) that resonates with people as, as this one does. Terrence Malick Um, has made several films with Ben Affleck and Christian Bale. He made to the wonder. He made night of cups. He meant song of songs. Nobody's talking about these films. Yeah. They're just like these weird experimental films that come out and do nothing. Yeah. It's so weird. And and yet it was the second most talked about war film that year it's because true. you had Saving Private Ryan. So it's true. Um, also I thought Peter Weir for Truman Show, who got the nomination originally, probably was well deserving of it as well. I agree. More so than a Michael Bay. But listen, people. Rick wants what he wants, and sometimes he, he digs right. his heels in. I can make some bullshit justifications for all of these, such as Peter Will's Peter Weir's better film was Master and Commander, but we we will not we will not dive deeper into that for the sake of time. Last but certainly not least, for 1998, we have Best Picture. Oh boy, Best Picture was Shakespeare in Love is the winner. Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan, and The Thin Red Line. And I'm just gonna bang out who our nominations are a wide variety of different well, and films. a reminder we approach hindsight with the new rules where there can be up to 10 yes some of actually, these actually these are our own rules these are definitely 10 yeah well we always do 10 always because 10. we always think that we should do 10 in yes. general but there can be up to 10 now um, and we're taking the max in the hindsight awards back yep. in this year at least you were li- they limited it to five, they just have so that's five. why there's only five. They may have expanded it if they were under the new rules and gotten some of these other ones that we talk about. It's but true. Um, some of these hindsight awards that we do are limited to five. These so. these help us again bring in a more diverse selection of nominees. So for this, we're nominating A Bug's Life, definitely the best animated film of that year. Also showing that Pixar is not a fluke with just Toy Story, that they can make other films, that they can actually animate biological characters rather than just toys. We're doing American History X, which I would argue is just as timely now as it was back then. I'm putting Armageddon on there, baby. Biggest film of the year. Half a billion dollars. Gigantic action adventure film. Certainly not well reviewed. But what, like I said, I mean, I said everything I need to say about Michael Bay. We're nominating Rounders, which I would argue no film more so than Rounders has played in college dorms maybe ever since then. You know, the second anybody ever gets into poker, they watch Rounders. We're keeping two holdovers, Saving Private Ryan and Shakespeare in Love. How can you not? We got to bring back the two top contenders for the year to go at it again. Bringing in Big Lebowski, a comedy that has aged like a fine wine. We're bringing in There's Something About Mary, a comedy that defined the late 90s. And as we said before, launched a couple of comedic superstars. The Thin Red Line. Terrence Malick's most accessible film, an amazing cast, really gorgeous filmmaking. And then The Truman Show, which is the best use of Jim Carrey, a really great story, a really great performance. Those are our nominees. So we knocked out Elizabeth and Life is Beautiful. Don't really have any issues doing that. I still have issue with Armageddon as the many points that you brought up about its issues. That's fine. Um, for me, if I would have thrown one in there, it probably would have been maybe He Got Game, Fear and Loathing, maybe, maybe even Out of Sight with Steven Soderbergh. But I'll give you your I'll give you your Armageddon 
the rest of them, I don't really have any issues with. Rounders, I could see plenty of people debating. Um, but I think the significance that it has as it's heavily watched today, and maybe we're talking more about rewatchability than necessarily the quality, but I think you have to have really good quality for it to be rewatchable and not be a guilty pleasure. Um, I don't feel like I'm watching a guilty pleasure when I watch rounders. I feel like I'm watching a, a really solid movie. Um, in addition to obviously it resonates a little bit more an, with me being that I'm a poker actual player. good movie. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, all right. So that knocks out 1998. Now we got 2008. So we're 10 years, 10 years ago, 10 years from 1998, David, and things haven't exactly improved for some of the uh, categories here. Again, the actress categories are just there's nothing there. To really pick from, whether they be previous nominees or whether they be ones that we're subbing in there. So I'm going to fully admit some of them are reaches, right? What's really interesting about this year, about 2008, is this is the last year that the Academy had five nominations for Best Picture. And a big reason that that happened is because The Dark Knight got snubbed for Best Picture. I take a blowtorch to the best picture race this year. I'm just full disclosure on everybody. I hope you didn't like Frost Nixon because we're not talking about Frost Nixon here. What it did signify, though, was a huge change in the way movies worked. This was the year of The Dark Knight. This was the year of Iron Man. Really interesting snapshot of some of the things that we have going on in 2008. But we're going to start with... Best Supporting Actress, as we did before. Best Supporting Actress in 2008 had Penelope Cruz winning for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. You had both Amy Adams and Viola Davis nominated for Doubt. You had Taraji P. Henson for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And then you had one of my favorites, good friend of the movie, good friend of the podcast, good movie buddy, Marissa Tomei in The Wrestler. And David, I honestly could only pull... I don't even think I got to 10. I think I could only pull eight other possible supporting actress nominees here. Just, again, a desolate year. Um, We're keeping Marissa Tomei. We're keeping Penelope Cruz. We're bringing in Frida Pinto from Slumdog Millionaire. We're bringing in one of my favorites, and again, one of, I think, one of the more underrated comedic performers, Catherine Hahn from Step Brothers, is just amazing every second she's on screen and then lastly and again maybe this might be slight a slight reach here but i'm gonna give love to gwyneth paltrow for iron man here she can go toe to toe with robert downey jr she's got that sweet sweet you know marvel money coming in pepper potts has maintained importance as a character and she's good in it so those are the five that we're sticking for 2008 I have, a little, I have a little bit of issue with Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm fine with it. Um, but who else are you going to pick? I think you probably, you know, if you're going unbiased, you probably have to lean with one of the returners from the, the five nominations, whether it be uh, Henson for Curious Case of Benjamin Button or Adams or Davis for Doubt. Adams probably the more deserving because sure. it was the more involved role. Davis the more showy role for Doubt. Um, but again, I think this is one of those, you're picking the filler fifth person, um, 
not necessarily someone who's actually going to necessarily win it. Be the front runner. Um, in that category. So I, I won't fight you too hard on it. I appreciate that. Thank you. For uh, f- Now, this one's a really interesting one because this is, in my opinion, a category that doesn't change. And the only thing that we're doing is moving pieces around the winner. Best Supporting Actor 2008. This is when Heath Ledger in, in famously won... Um, after his death, after his tragic death, he won pos- posthumously the award for playing the Joker in The Dark Knight. Josh Brolin was also nominated for Milk. Robert Downey Jr. got nominated for Tropic Thunder. Philip Seymour Hoffman for Doubts. And Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Road. Again, not a massive list to pull from. Um, we're keeping Michael Shannon. We're keeping Robert Downey Jr. And, of course, we're keeping Heath Ledger. But and I think I got a little crazy. Listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level with you. I got a little crazy here because I don't think any of these ones matter. It's still Heath Ledger. It's still the Dark Knight. It's still the Joker. But I went, I, whatever. I'm not going to apologize for this. I picked John C. Riley for Step Brothers because he's able to go comedic toe-to-toe with Will Ferrell in one of the best comedies of the past decade, if not more. And controversial choice, I'm going Tom Cruise, Tropic Thunder. Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder, David. Les Grossman, the least Tom Cruise Tom Cruise has ever been, ever. I'm going with it, and I can tell you don't care for it. I, I have a hard time with Cruise because I think it's more the shock and awe of Tom Cruise stepping outside his bubble that you're rewarding than sure. necessarily the actual performance in it, in addition to the fact that <laughs> he's barely in that film um, That's fine, as but we well. kept Judy Dench, you know? For her acting, not for her wearing a fat suit and and doing ridiculous things. I think she so. did wear a fat suit in that movie. Well, she wore the big did. queen. Well, that's a dress, not a fat suit. But anyways, <laughs> um, that being said, I think you probably people would riot over the fact that you replaced fat suit <laughs> makeup Tom Cruise for his seven minutes on screen over Philip Seymour Hoffman in Doubt. But again... Do you this, this this category really doesn't matter because all that people will ever remember about this category from this year is Heath Ledger, and that's all that really matters that's, in yeah. the end. I'm not going to fight you on, on Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't remember anything about Philip Seymour Hoffman in doubt, but I get it. I get it. I'm still keeping him there. Uh, best Actress. God, this was just not a good year at the Oscars, man. Kate Winslet for The Reader won the award. Anne Hathaway and Rachel getting married. That was kind of her her big coming out, you know, in terms of a, I'm a serious actress. I'm not Princess Diaries anymore. Angelina Jolie and Changeling. Melissa Leo in Frozen River. Meryl Streep, again, in Doubt. I'm keeping Winslet and Hathaway. And I'm putting in some interesting choices here, David. We're putting in, I can't believe I'm doing this. We're putting in Frances McDormand for Burn After Reading. Uh, Ferris McDormand usually getting getting awards, especially after three billboards for being like hardcore and and uh, but she's hilarious in Burn After Reading. We're putting in Kate Blanchett for the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and I can't believe I'm doing this, David. But I'm taking Meryl Streep out, and I'm putting Meryl Streep back in because Mamma Mia clearly resonated more. Than her performance in Doubt. It's talked about more. It made a shitload of money. They made a sequel. 
It's Meryl Streep getting to have fun and do musicals and not be the most serious person in the world for once. So she's in. She's in for Mamma Mia. I Again, I, I, I can't believe I did that, but I did. Meryl Streep's out. Meryl <laughs> Streep's in. Just to make it clear, people, uh, there was there's other ones in consideration that Rick was was considering this for was this. very tough david like tina fey for baby mama great film hilarious <laughs> amy poehler as well i won't apologize for that as well as anna ferris for the house bunny were also on his list Again. of considerations hilarious you can find all of these considerations on the website popcorndietpodcast.com i have nothing to hide <laughs> so you're welcome for talking him out of this nothing to hide hell i'll say it sarah jessica parker and sex in the city was a finalist until you talk me out of it it's true. I did. Nothing to hide. Um, best actor. Uh, best. Uh, David. David, 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 David. Let's talk about best actor in 2008 here. Sean Penn wins for Milk. Richard Jenkins nominated for The Visitor. Frank Langelia for Frost Nixon. Brad Pitt for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler. David, I've made it no secret that I am no Sean Penn fan. Oh, really? It's it's. I'm just. Is that my daughter? It's not. It's, it's, is that? Oh God! <laughs> one of the pre one of the previously discussed episodes for this podcast was like Sean Penn sucks and other movie thoughts <laughs> or something. It was it was in the conversation. David Sean Penn is out. Taking him out. Taking Jenkins out. I'm taking Frank out. Frost Nixon, the visitor. Again, nobody's talking about these movies. I uh, listen and Milk. I will. I will. I understand that Milk might be a controversial omission here, and that's fine. I accept that, but I'm taking him out. I don't care. He's out. Who's in? Brad Pitt's in. Mickey Rourke is still in. Will Ferrell for Step Brothers, man. Just an all-time comedic performance. Not enough comedic performances recognized. Same thing. Colin Farrell in Bruges. Dark, funny, really well done. And you know what? I'm bringing Robert Downey Jr. in for Iron Man. That guy launched the franchise of all franchises. That was a huge gamble. He's still playing Tony Stark now. Nobody else could have done it. So I'm locking him in there. That's who we have. No Sean Penn. I think Sean Penn's the hardest one for me to uh, rationalize, not including... In this, Fine. I think uh, Fine. Rick's hatred of Sean Penn is is coming out full fledged in this. Hatred's harsh, but fine. I think uh, Colin Farrell is very underrated for in Bruges. It's true. Um, Downey Jr. is iconic for Iron Man. I'll admit. Um, <laughs> Will Farrell getting nominated for Best Actor again. To me, this is one where it's it's hard to give a lead in this because they're pretty equal in this. Sure. Um, and so that would be more of my issue with that, I guess. Um, and just taking out Sean Penn in general. Um, I don't know who gets the acts of your three new ones, but overall I'm okay with this. Okay. Okay. I thank you for that. I do live for your approval. So I know you do. I, I appreciate that. Best director. This one's really interesting one, man, because you got a lot of big names here, but they're not doing the best work of their career. I mean, if we're judging by hindsight, are these really the best things that these directors have done? Danny Boyle won for Slumdog Millionaire. He's did. I mean, he did the 28 Days Later. He did Sunshine. He went on to do 127 Hours. Steve Jobs. Really good stuff. 
David Fincher, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I would argue that this isn't even in the top five of Fincher films right now. Ron Howard for Frost and Ni- Frost Nixon, certainly not Ron Howard's best film. Gus Van Sant for Milk. Gus Van Sant's best film was uh, Good Will Hunting, and that's and he really hasn't done much since then. And then Stephen Daldry for The Reader. And Stephen Daldry did extremely loud and incredibly close, and I'm never going to forgive him for that. So he's out immediately and automatically. We are going to keep Danny Boyle for Slumdog Millionaire because it was a good film. Like, And Danny Boyle deserves the recognition. I don't know where else he would get it, but I'm keeping him in. And we got four new nominees here. We're bringing Adam McKay in for Step Brothers because I wanted to nominate Adam McKay for something other than his political satire movies that he's getting recognition for. Adam McKay has and is and will be one of our strongest comedic directors, and Step Brothers is an all-timer, so he's going in. I'm nominating John Favreau for Iron Man because, again, that launched the franchise. That movie was exactly what it needed to be. It's nearly perfect, and it's still considered one of the best films of the MCU. I'm giving love to the Wachowskis for Speed Racer. I think one of the films that has aged the best from this year. If you haven't seen Speed Racer, put it on your HD television. Find it on a big screen. Speed Racer is an absolute blast, and the Wachowskis and understanding the material that they're working with are a big part of that. And then last but certainly not least, I'm I'm writing the cosmic wrong, and we're nominating Christopher Nolan for The Dark Knight. I don't feel like I need to explain myself there. No, I don't think so. Um, I don't have I don't have too many issues with this. Adam McKay is a little tough for me because I think his best directorial work is yet to come for him. Okay. Um, and but again, I think maybe the one that I keep in there that you took out would be Fincher for Benjamin Button. Um, but again, no, no big issues. And I'm obviously a huge fan of getting Christopher Nolan in there as he should have been in as the first he place. Should have been. One of these days when he he's going to be like Spielberg, like for some reason, no one's going to have to work for like 20 years before he gets his Oscar nomination. I'm, I, I, I will not stand for it, David. It's upsetting. Um, for Best Picture in 2008, again, this was the year before the 10 nominees changed. This was during the writer's strike as well. Our nominees were Slumdog Millionaire, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk, and The Reader. I can't really think of a less exciting five movies to get nominated. Just <laughs> There's nothing in that list that is just like, oh, greatness. You know, so we're going crazy. We're getting real crazy with 2008 because 2008 was a crazy year. 2008 was was a year that there wasn't, I, I would say, a ton of quality, but there was a lot of things that started and planted the seed for where we are now. There's a lot of things that influenced film in a big, bad way. So our 2008 hindsight best picture nominees Going with Cloverfield for one of the nominees. Proved that J.J. Abrams was a blockbuster producer. Gave us Matt Reeves as a director. And is also one of the best found footage movies you know, ever made. Which isn't saying much, but still is what it is. Uh, great monster movie. Great sci-fi horror. I love it. 
We're nominating Iron Man for everything that we said before. It launched the MCU. It's still considered one of the best. Right, even now, people recognize the greatness of the Dark Knight. Yeah, but they recognize Iron Man's place in 2008 as well. I can't believe I'm nominating Mamma Mia, but I am. Biggest musical of the year. Huge blockbuster. Made a ton of money. Everybody went to go see Mamma Mia, and everybody loved it. We're bringing back Slumdog Millionaire. Won eight Oscars. Uh, made a lot of money. Uh, was beloved. Got Danny Boyle his Oscar. Putting in there Speed Racer and Step Brothers. Two, probably two films that you would think to see the least on this list, but Speed Racer is such a visually dynamic film. It is a kaleidoscope of action, mayhem, and it's all like, and it's good for kids too. Like you can sit down and let put your kids in front of that movie, and it's not a problem at all. And then Step Brothers, I've already said, it's one of the best comedies, maybe ever. That might be a hot take, but I'm not going to apologize for it. Finally, getting to rectify the issue of The Dark Knight not being nominated. The Dark Knight is in. What I mean, it's the Dark Knight. It's in. We're rounding out the nominees with the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Tropic Thunder, just just a phenomenal comedy, All Star Cast, great action comedy for that matter, and then Wally, which might be one of Pixar's best films. Again, bringing in animation, trying to diversify the the group of nominees. But that's who we got, David. That's our best picture list for two thousand and eight. Can you live with that? Is there anything? I mean, I, can, I imagine you have thoughts. I can live with it. Um, ones that maybe I, I like to mention that, that get forget. And obviously, as Rick mentioned, you can read them all in our uh, our post, our full post on this or your full post on this. But some of the other ones in there, to me, um, Burn After Reading. Okay. Uh, also... Um, what was my other one? My other one was The Bank Job, which is a smaller film, not a ton of people's, but a highly underrated film. And I think the people that saw it um, would speak that way as well. Jason Statham, not in your typical Jason Statham no. movie. There's pretty much zero action. Um, as good far as like your tra- traditional action, it's a fantastic heist movie. Yeah. Um, based off of a incredibly crazy real story <laughs> as well. Um, and just a really well done movie that um, obviously is more of a British film. Um, didn't get a whole lot of love in the theaters in the in the states. Um, but a really well done movie as well. I also give a shout out to the wrestler. That was really hard to leave off as well. You know, Mickey Rourke did an excellent job of it. Uh, Darren Aronofsky, probably one of his more accessible films as well. Uh, it just didn't make the cut. Like the wrestler's just not. It's not in the conversation that much. It is a great film. Any film about like serious film about professional wrestling, like I'm in for. Um, but did not did not make the cut there. But yeah, it's a good list for 2008. And now we go to 2013. And if you thought the the previous two uh, time periods were crazy, we're going to get really crazy with 2013. 2013 is when we started seeing the rise. Uh, not maybe started seeing the rise of, but when we were in full swing of the massive franchises, these billion-dollar franchises and things like that. But we also... Got some really good dramas. We got some really great small character movies as well. So there are some big swings this year, David. This is probably the one you and I collaborated on maybe the most, I think. 
Um, it's also when you were in the thick of really starting to see the whole concept of the smaller independent films really starting to get more of a, right. a voice in the Oscars. And, and some people will say that it's a good thing and some people will say it's a bad thing. But regardless, like you're starting to see that like these smaller studios, these smaller films are starting to not just be, you know, oh, that was a great film, but actual getting award nominations and some right. award wins in there as well. It was no longer like you need to do a big mainstream movie that gets launched in 4,000 theaters when it first right. comes out and has big names or at least, you know, big studios behind them. Like some of these smaller studios were starting to get a lot more representation as well. Sure. And I don't think it was necessarily this year. Um, well, you could trace it all the way back to 98 with Shakespeare in Love. Like that is what when the Oscars changed in the way that you campaigned for smaller films. Well, and it was campaign. But I think nowadays, yes, there's campaigns behind it, but. It, for whatever reason, people are actively looking to recognize, it seems, it feels at least, these smaller films um, over necessarily the big studio productions. Sure, sure. So let's start with supporting actress. Again, we're starting to see more options in supporting actress. We're starting to see more options in actress, but it's still one of the harder categories to pull from. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o won for 12 Years a Slave. She beat Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine. She beat Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle. Julia Roberts in August, Osage County. And June Squibb for Nebraska. We're keeping Lupita. We're keeping Jennifer Lawrence on here. Two of the brightest young stars that we have. And we're putting in some crazy shit, David. This, we're just going to get started off right off the bat, nominating Michelle Rodriguez in Fast and Furious 6. This is probably the craziest thing that I'll say for the entire podcast. Michelle Rodriguez, though, started out with critical acclaim in Girl Fight, and then she kind of just played that role throughout her entire career, just that tough chick who's going to fight everybody. But Fast and Furious 6 gave her a little bit more to work with. She had amnesia. She was bad. She was good, stuff like that. And listen... That resonated. Fast and Furious 6, one of the biggest movies of all time. So she's in. It's talking about biggest movies of all time. We're also nominating Elizabeth Banks for The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Everybody in that movie feels like it's kind of, they're kind of underselling it. Except for Woody Harrelson and Elizabeth Banks. They're going big. They're going bold. She's got a, she wears all the makeup and the hairstyles and stuff like that. And she's memorable. She's memorable in that film. She's great in that film. And then lastly, this one is, I think, one of the weirder ones. I'm nominating Scarlett Johansson for her. If you'll remember, that's only her voice. But I would argue that her performance in her is stronger than a majority of the actual performance of, of actresses on screen in, in a lot of different years. So... That's who I'm nominating. I don't. I don't have a lot of issues. Only other ones that I kind of, you know, we we talked through prior to this. Um, we talked about Octavia Spencer for Fruitville Station, yep. which will be talked about plenty more to come. Um, I think you also um, could have talked about Viola Davis and Prisoners, Prisoners, which is so a good. movie that we both feel is highly underrated and has phenomenal performances in all four of the acting mm -hmm. categories, mm -hmm. um, but. We're sticking with that list. We're sticking with that list. Uh, same thing. We're going. We're going real crazy with best supporting actor as well. Back in 2013, Jared Leto won for Dallas Buyers Club. He was going up against Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips. 
Bradley Cooper making an appearance here for American Hustle, Michael Fassbender in 12 Years a Slave, and Jonah Hill in The Wolf of Wall Street. I think the biggest one we take out here is uh, is Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips. That was just one of those, like, right guy for the right role, and it just caught a lot of momentum. But, like, that guy's not doing anything else. You know, he's character actor who got the right role. Bradley Cooper's obviously moved on to greater things since American Hustle. And likewise with Fassbender and 12 Years a Slave. We're keeping Jared Leto. We're keeping Jonah Hill. We're subbing in some crazy, some crazy ones here as well. Number one, I'm nominating Jake Gyllenhaal for Prisoners because Prisoners is amazing. Jake Gyllenhaal is amazing. Jake Gyllenhaal... I can't remember, David, if Prisoners happened before or after Zodiac. I think it happened after Zodiac. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that Fincher broke Jake Gyllenhaal on Zodiac. And this was where we just, we started seeing weird Jake Gyllenhaal come out of his cocoon, if you will. Because Fincher's a very demanding director. Am I right? Was that right? Yeah, Zodiac was yes. 2007. This was six years later six in 2013. Years later. So Gyllenhaal, you know, went through a bunch of different stuff, tried to be, you know, an action star, Prince of Persia. His Detective Loki and Prisoners is phenomenal. I could watch movies just about him. So he's in. I'm also nominating Idris Elba in Pacific Rim because that's the film that launched launched Idris Elba into where he is now. He had made a bunch of shitty movies um, as he was, you know, working as an actor, he was in prom night. He was in some garbage stuff, but he did The Wire. He did Luther. But when he showed up in Pacific Rim, given the speech about canceling the apocalypse, he became Idris Elba. So he's in for Pacific Rim. And then last, and this one you and I had a conversation on, but I'm nominating Danny McBride in This Is The End because Danny McBride blows everyone away in that film he's up there with seth rogan jonah hill james franco like big time comedy juggernauts and danny mcbride you know he had done some stuff like he was in pineapple express five years earlier and whatnot but he's just on another level in this is the end he's every scene he's in is hilarious everything he's doing is dialed up to 11 so he's nominated he's in and I fought you a little bit on on the McBride as well as the Elba. Um, you did. You know, the ones that I would maybe put in conversation in there, Paul Dano and Prisoners. So I know good. that would put us two nominations, not unheard of these days. No. Um, but he's so good in this, um, in, in Prisoners. Uh, as well as, I think it's tough to take Fassbender out for 12 Years a Slave. It's true. Um, but again, he's he's got plenty of good work coming ahead of him, so... Again, we had our, our differences on this. Um, again, this is another one of those not quite as extreme as Heath Ledger in 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 uh, Dark Knight Year. Sure. Um, but I think this is Jared Leto's award still, even in hindsight, in my opinion. Sure. Um, and so you're more filling in the other nominees. Sure, definitely. Best actress. This was this was a year that again. I still like the momentum that it took for actresses to get these big, powerful roles. It's really striking to me. It's really crazy. This year we had Kate Blanchett who won for Blue Jasmine, Amy Adams for American Hustle, Sandra Bullock for Gravity, Judy Dench back again for Phil Philomena, and Meryl Streep back again three times. David Meryl Streep 
for movies that nobody cares about. Nobody's nobody. Who's talking about August Osage County nowadays? She's out challenging Meryl Streep. Nobody has the balls to do it, Meryl, but I'm going to do it respectfully challenging you. All right. That being said, really strong list of nominees. We're keeping Blanchett. We're keeping Adams. We're keeping Sandra Bullock. And we're subbing them in. We're subbing one in for Greta Gerwig and Frances Ha. Uh, getting her at the beginning of her career before she went on to Lady Bird. Now she's making Little Women. Like, she's blowing up. But we're putting, we're giving her Frances Ha at the beginning of her career. And I'm also giving a nomination to Emma Thompson in Saving Mr. Banks, playing P.L. Travers, who uh, created Mary Poppins. It's uh, She's phenomenal in that film. She's so good in that film. And Emma Thompson is such a great actress that it's it's certainly worth nominating, certainly worth mentioning here. Yeah, I I think we agreed pretty well on on these these nominees. Um, other ones I'll mention. Um, I think you could talk about Reese Witherspoon and Mud a movie we both really liked. Yeah. Um, I think you could also talk about um, you know, it was a pretty early role for her i believe if i'm my memory serves me right but brie larson in short term 12 yeah that put her um, on the like acclaim map exactly so uh but other than that i think you know like you said it was still a, a pretty tough you had julia louise dreyfus and enough said so you and kate winslet did labor day so you had some big names doing other things um but it still was pretty hard for like iconic uh acting performances yeah. from in the actress category. Not the biggest iconic year. Uh, best actor. Same one. A pretty strong list of best actor nominees. Matthew McConaughey famously won for Dallas Buyers Club. Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wolf of Wall Street. Chiatel El Giafor for uh, 12 Years a Slave. Christian Bale in one of, I think, his lesser roles in American Hustle. And then Bruce Dern for Nebraska. Uh, we're keeping... We're keeping LG4 for 12 Years of Slave. We're keeping McConaughey. We're keeping DiCaprio. I'll ride or die with DiCaprio on The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, I'm bummed out that he had to do all the crazy shit he did in The Revenant to finally win his Oscar. Like, this proves that DiCaprio can do comedy. He can do anything if he puts his mind to it. That being said, we're bringing in two nominees here. We're bringing in Joaquin Phoenix for her. That movie just affects me on a deeply profound level and Joaquin Phoenix is so so good in it um, and we're bringing in Michael B. Jordan Fruitvale Station launched his career him and Coogler hand in hand making it happen Fruitvale Station is such a good movie and that's such a powerful performance from Michael B. Jordan that he's in I'm bringing him in there yeah, and this was just a tough category because I felt like this was one with a lot of strong performances um, Matthew McConaughey for Mud. Again, that was a really good performance, but he's already getting love for Dallas Buyers Club, so I'm fine sure. leaving him off. Um, also, coming back to Prisoners, again, it's just such a good performance movie. Hugh Jackman's fantastic in it. I also mentioned, the uh, only other one I'll mention, too, from this category, someone we're not bringing in there would be Chris Hemsworth and Rush, uh, another movie that both you and I love, um, and I think he's fantastic in that as well. We didn't even talk about Daniel Bruhl in Rush, which was paying me to not put him in. It's true. Um, but again, as, as much as we love Rush, like, unfortunately, it just didn't resonate as much as it should have or could mm -hmm. have. We'll see if the uh, upcoming film that reminds me a lot of Rush. Ford v. Uh, Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if we'll see if that one resonates a little bit more than I'm Rush excited did. for that one. 
Best director. This one was this one I I did a fire sale on, and I I don't know why because I don't hate any of these films. I just feel like some of them could have been better. I don't know. Alfonso Cuarón won for Gravity. Uh, he went obviously went on to make Roma. David O. Russell got nominated for America. Or David, yeah, David O. Russell got nominated for American Hustle. Rhymes. Uh, Alexander Payne for Nebraska. Steve McQueen for Twelve Years a Slave and Scorsese. For the Wolf of Wall Street. I'm pulling almost everyone out of this, David. I'm keeping in McQueen and Alfonso Cuaron because those movies are just next level, you know. But summoning some other guys here. Number one, I'm bringing in Spike Jones for her. Such a beautiful, odd little film that is a wonderful little sci-fi, but also deeply, deeply, deeply personal. Um, and then I'm bringing in two guys who have dabbled in the same franchise, but I'm bringing them in because of the blockbuster value and because of the way that they affected Hollywood. So I'm nominating Justin Lin for Fast and Furious 6. And I understand that that statement is ridiculous. But Fast and Furious 6, number one, Justin Lin single-handedly turned the franchise into what it is today. He brought in the diversity. He brought in the action. He worked with Vin Diesel on putting this franchise together. Fast and the Furious 6 is the one that was one of the biggest movies of all time. Yes, it's dumb. Yes, it has a 26-mile runway at the end. But hot damn, is it one of the best movies of the franchise. So he's in. And then I'm also nominating James Wan for The Conjuring massive blockbuster horror film. James Wan eventually went to direct the Fast and Furious franchise. He went to direct um, Aquaman. But the, the, the Conjuring is just such an effective mainstream horror film. And that just doesn't get recognized enough by, by the Oscars. So we're recognizing it here. I think the only one I had a hard time with was Justin Lin. I get the rationalization behind it. Sure. Um, there's just too many issues for me with like the <laughs> runway scene for me in that movie. And I understand it's a little bit of a culmination of a number of things. Um, people, I think I'd either keep on uh, McQueen or Scorsese. Um, some of the other honorable mentions I would say in there would maybe be Del Toro for Pacific Rim. Okay. Um, that I enjoyed Ron Howard for Rush. Again, we probably are, are, are more, uh, the biggest supporters of that film out there, but um, also the Coen brothers, um, obviously not one of their more successful films um, with inside Llewellyn Davis. Yep. Um, But still amazing. A really well done film. Yeah. Uh, Best picture, man. Now this is one where we had nine best picture nominees. 12 years a slave ended up winning up against American hustle, captain Phillips, Dallas buyers club, gravity, her, Nebraska, Philomena, and The Wolf of Wall Street. This is another one, David, where kind of taking a blowtorch to it and kind of tearing everything down, all in the name of putting in more diverse selections, right? We're keeping 12 Years a Slave. We're keeping Gravity. We're keeping The Wolf of Wall Street. Some of these were really hard cuts. Cutting Her was really, really hard. All right. But we've also subbed it in with some of the other films, some some other smaller films as well. One of those films is not The Fast and Furious 6. That film is massive and it's nominated because, again, that's a cultural phenomenon type film. That's a film that I don't think you could ignore. Likewise with Frozen. 
Frozen is another cultural phenomenon type film, a film that just absolutely lit it up everywhere with everybody. You couldn't go anywhere without, you know, here and let it go. Couldn't go anywhere. So that's going in. We're bringing back Coogler's debut, Fruitvale Station. Obviously still timely today. One of the best debut films that we've seen in a long, long time. We're probably the least scene film that we're nominating is a film called mud this is probably our david i would think you would agree with this. this is probably our most personal choice um in that mud really didn't resonate with a ton of people and yet it is still such a phenomenal film directed by jeff nichols great cast ty sheridan it introduced us to ty sheridan um that's nominated. <laughs> well, and I think if you go back and watch Mud, even it would hold up today. Absolutely, um, I haven't watched it in a little while, um, but I definitely it's it's a movie that, for instance, my wife and I watched, and she ended up buying when it right. came out um, because she liked it so much. Um, it's just one of those films that I think um, a lot of people can identify with certain aspects of it. Um, not necessarily maybe the the story itself, but pieces sure. of it from some of the characters in that. Sure, we nominated <laughs> we nominated Pacific Rim because it's amazing. It's amazing that that film exists and is as good as it is and is as Guillermo del Toro as it is. We're nominating Rush, as we said. Uh, the story of of Rush is so good, and that film is so good, and you should all go out and see it right now. And then last but certainly not least, giving a little bit of love to the horror genre, we're nominating The Conjuring as well for our final list of 10 films for our 2013 Hindsight Best Picture nominees. How do you feel about it? You feel all right? feel pretty good. Um, don't have a lot that we left off that uh, we haven't mentioned already. Obviously, we didn't end up nominating Prisoners, but that's another one that could be in that conversation. Sure. It's probably more known for its performances. Um, that's the thing that resonates with me more mm -hmm. than necessarily the movie as a whole. Movie as a whole, I still really loved, um, but I'd be fine leaving it off of this. Um, and I think some of the the ones that were nominated that we, we took off the list, like Her and Dallas Buyers Club and American Hustle, could easily still be sure. on this list. Um, sure. But again, not a lot of them still resonate today uh, american hustle isn't the david o russell film that people think about no um or a number of the actors and actresses in that film that's not what they talk about sure um i mean we also we i mean for all the small films that we left off like we left off films like blue jasmine we left off films like short term 12 but we also left off some big ones that one could argue made a huge impact in 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 society or in the culture if you will like iron man 3 like man of steel not like the best films obviously but films that made a massive cultural impact star trek into darkness another one you know just huge huge types of films but overall i think we you know have a pretty good combination here um i love it dude and and that is everything for our nominations those are our three parts three different time eras for our part our second annual hindsight awards remember that you can go to our website popcorndietpodcast.com to vote for these awards uh vote for who you think should win who in hindsight you think should take home 
the gold. Before we wrap it up, I want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of this podcast delivered to you for free by subscribing or following wherever you're listening from. You can also head over to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. That's right. We started a Patreon. We want you to consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Help us improve it and then get some cool stuff in return like patron only exclusive episodes and things like that. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, all of our reviews, all of our Oscar predictions, all of these hindsight awards that you can vote on on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the popcorn diets. Adios.